0: Guardian Unlimited.
1: Guardian Unlimited. The Rugby World
2: Cup show. Sponsored by Magnus. Time to play. Go to magnusider.com. Hello again, this is uh, Ian Payne. Welcome along to the penultimate Guardian World Cup rugby show. Who would have thought we'd get to the final... Talking about England once again. This tournament, it's turned up surprise after surprise. Are we going to get a pleasant surprise on Saturday for England fans? Can England, the team who... were who were down and really almost out after that 36-0 defeat by South Africa just over a month ago, pull off the miracle of miracles and become the first country ever to retain the Webb Ellis Trophy. The, uh, the final promise is to be a hugely physical game. I don't know if it's enjoyable, is going to be the word, but a psychological one as well. And the warfare has already started, although everyone's trying to play it down. We'll try and cover all the aspects. If you want to join in, if you've got any questions, we've got loads of you who have done over the weeks. Thank you all. To do so, your input can be uh, made via blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. As I say, I'm Ian Payne, and uh, to chat with us, we have the observers. Rugby correspondent Eddie Butler, how are you, Eddie?
3: Very well, thank you, Ian. Very well.
2: Good man. Uh, Deputy sports editor of the Guardian, Ian Pryor, is with me. Feeling all right? Yeah, feeling good. And also from the Guardian sports desk is uh, Claire Tolly, who's uh, got some money on South Africa to win. Is that right?
4: Yeah, unfortunately.
2: Oh. Unfortunately, so you can't lose because obviously you want England to win. Eddie, everything points to a South African victory. Does anything point to an England victory?
3: Uh, only that all known factors in this World Cup count for nothing. So if you put your money anywhere, it goes the other way. It's been remarkable. It's been a remarkable tournament, Fudgeta, just upsetting all sorts of odds. So, of course, England have a massive chance. And, and, And as you said, they were down and out. They were absolutely buried. There was no way on earth they could have recovered from that game against South Africa. And yet they did. So it is one of the re- remarkable turnarounds in sport and who can possibly say now that they can't take it all the way?
2: Ian, is negative rugby proved to be the winner?
5: Well, negative r- rugby is the new positive rugby, isn't it? Eddie's right, this has been, been the tournament of the parallel universe um, and n- none of us know quite why we're here talking about England in a final now. But I don't know, there's there's a good argument to say that what everyone calls negative rugby is in some way going back to rugby's core values and some before professionalism, before fancy things like Super 12, before, you know when wings were there to kind of get cold hands. Um, that's the way rugby used to be a lot. And uh, Did they not run it then? Hmm? What did they do? Did hoof it, fall in the mud? Hoof it, fell in the mud, stick it on the jumpers, bury their heads in, uh, in oppositions and other parts. Claire, do you remember it being as, as negative as that
2: in the old days?
4: I'm far too young to remember uh, that far back in. So modest.
2: OK, and what have you made of the negative tactics of of the teams that have got to the final. Because even in the semi-final, South Africa didn't really go for it. They certainly they just picked up the ball when it was dropped by Argentina, it seemed to me.
4: Yes, yeah, certainly. I think that was the case. But I also think that um, the point about South Africa was that they were ruthless when they had to be. They scored the points that um, won them the game when they punished every single mistake that Argentina made. And if England make any sort of mistake, certainly from turnover ball, you know Brian Habana is going to absolutely kill England.
2: Uh, this is what Thomas Castaner has written in the veritable institution that is the Guardian newspaper this very day. He says, England's game plan will be very simple... Hang on until the hour and then anything can happen, although Jason Robinson will bring his usual dynamism. England don't really have the strength to play really ambitious rugby. Each match has been for survival, but they are still there. They are the world champions at that sort of game. They can take on South Africa up front, and if they can do that, Johnny can do the rest. Is that a fair summation for you, Eddie?
3: Yes. In this great balancing act between running around rugby and passing it to the wings and everything, You have to bear in mind that stress levels are so high that mistakes count for everything at this closing quarter. Um, uh, You know, uh, international rugby has never been totally glamorous, just because in the the professional age we've had sort of super 14 rugby. Even before this tournament, the All Blacks had gone very much back to basics. And if anything, they were guilty here in France of of overdoing the fancy stuff, which left them ill-prepared for real meaty rugby when it mattered. I'm a big believer in, in finding the balance between the, the poetry and the brutality. And at, at stressful times, the brutality wins and you've got to be geared up for that rugby. But there's poetry in all that brutishness. I love it all, you know. And what it means is that you admire the flashes of brilliance even more when they happen. You admire what Brian Habana does when he suddenly sets off. You, you, The little glimpses of Jason Robinson count for more when they are the exception rather than the rule, it's always been the way in rugby. You can't just have pretty rugby. No, it, I, I'd
5: absolutely agree with you. And I, no, that, I like the brutal stuff. I mean, you know, the, 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 there's great poetry in brutality, as, as this World Cup is, is showing us every, <laughs> every, every day. And the, no, rugby is a game of kind of physical oppression, and, and that's how it should be. I, I wouldn't argue with that at all.
3: I think one thing that has been noticeable, and you, you talk about, the, you know, the, a lot of kicking has been has been done. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's been bad kicking. You know, if you're going to kick, you have to kick well. And I think there has been too many kicks, you know, by Lionel Boguesis in the in the semi that landed in the 22 and, and made it easy for the full-back to mark. I think there has been just too much kicking the ball under pressure because you have nothing else in your mind to do. And that's, that's where we miss the All Blacks, actually, because... When they're playing at their best, they see things that other countries don't do. But we know what happened to them, and you know they lost fair and square, despite what they're saying about Wayne Barnes now, and despite all the the analysis of of Wayne Barnes's refereeing in that in that quarterfinal. New Zealand was stuffed fair and square. They got to take it on the chin.
2: Did you see that? There's uh, an unnamed New Zealand referee has looked at that referee's performance, yeah. analysed it, said first half, yeah, nine out of ten. Four big errors in the second half, and now the whole of New Zealand's trying to find out who this referee is. Yeah. Will anything come of it? I bet he remains
3: unnamed. I you could analyse. It. You could analyse New Zealand's game against Wales in the last World Cup, and I could I could find a couple of forward passes for you.
5: It must be really difficult to find an anonymous New Zealand referee to criticise that word, yeah. <laughs> to say why they went out of the World Cup final. I mean th- that must have took them a while.
3: They're, wrong, they're,
2: they're home, and that's uh, that's the fact of it. Delighted to say, by the way, that uh, alongside uh, Eddie Butler, Ian Pryor, Claire Tolly, and myself, Ian Payne, I've just been joined on the line now by the Sale England and British Lions fly half, Charlie Hodgson. How are you,
0: Charlie? Yeah, very well, thank you, very well.
2: Thanks. Thank you very much for joining us. Fitness level's OK for you now?
0: Uh, yeah, not too bad, thank you. Just uh, getting back into the swing of things, really, playing for sale, so just enjoying playing again, really.
2: You obviously missed out on a place in the squad. You were only just back after long-term injury when the squad was picked. How frustrating has it been for you to watch it from home, or, or has it actually given you a, a sort of different perspective on the on the matches?
0: It's difficult to say. I don't, I don't really think I deserved the place within the, within the squad initially because I wasn't fit and I wasn't playing. So it is, it is difficult, I suppose, watching it, seeing how well they're doing and um and disappointed, obviously, that an injury like that has happened to me and, and put me out of contention for it. But um, at the same time, I'm, I'm very pleased for them and, and I hoping that they can do well this weekend.
2: Now, as an outside half and as a kicker yourself, a lot has been made of the fact that without Johnny Wilkinson, England were awful. With Johnny Wilkinson, suddenly they have the man of the moment and they're winning again. There's obviously a lot more to it than that. But how significant a factor is Johnny Wilkinson, do you think, Charlie?
0: Yeah, he brings a lot of confidence to the team with his kicking and, and defensively as well. And people look to him as a go-to man, really. Like he, he does inspire people with what he does in the field. And if he plays well, then he, he tends to bring people up with him to his level um, and, and everything seems to play well with the inside.
5: Charlie, Eddie Jones said during the week that... um. It's, he, he, he thought Wilkinson wasn't playing nearly as well as he was in 2003, but that the, the, the kind of psychological lift and the, and the kind of myth of Johnny is a lot greater than it was then, and that you know, he, he, he makes everyone around him kind of rise to another level, even if his own game isn't quite what it used to be. What do you think of that? Is that a fair assessment?
0: I, I guess it probably is, yeah. Like you just say, he's, he, he is a go-to man, and, and people love having, having him within their side, and he does raise uh, other people's levels and their, their standards. So yeah, maybe he's not playing as well, but at the same time, England are producing performances to get through. It might not be sort of the best-looking rugby to watch, but at the same time, they're closing out games and they're coming up with some good results. Just
2: looking at the tournament generally, Charlie, Eddie Butler, who's on the line, was also saying that he felt that there has been a lot of kicking, but the kicking hasn't been very good. Would you agree with that?
0: Um, oh, do you mean kicking out of hand? Or yeah. Goal? yeah, kicking out of hand. Yeah, there has been a lot of a lot of kicking. I think because of the the nature of the defenses nowadays they are very strong and they're, they're difficult to overcome. And at the same time, I'd agree with Eddie that some of the kicking hasn't been great, and it puts their own team under pressure rather than putting the other team under pressure. So, yeah, it's difficult to, to know the right answer for that. I guess it's the thing. I, I think probably... that's
3: the point. I think I think Charlie said it spot on. You know, the, the kicking out of hand has, hasn't been great, but what else do you do when the defenses are so good? And it does remain a sort of safety valve available, just get the ball downfield. So it has a legitimacy of its own, but it can also land you in trouble. So again, I think it has a certain intrigue all of its own, if, even if it hasn't been good.
2: So what we've seen, is this because of professionalism or because we now have specialist defensive coach, say Dave Ellis for France or whoever it happens to be, say Sean Edwards for Wasps and, and helping out with internationally as well. Are we now seeing defences actually being the kind of modus operandi if you like the most important part of winning a match
0: um, I think that's that's been going for a long time I think if you look at the team that won the 2003 World Cup Phil Larder when he was in charge he, he always said that defence would win games and, and that's still going on I think I think over time there needs to be a shift into the attack we need to improve our attack particularly in, in England because that's something we do struggle with not only at international level but at the premiership um, something we need, do need to improve and look to overcome these these tight defences
2: Claire, where do you think will be the, the key areas? Let's look at the, the, some of the matchup. We've already mentioned that the that Jake White has, has complained about Sheridan and the referee has to, to look at the way that he sets himself up before scrums. Where do you think will be the main key areas?
4: Um, certainly the breakdown, the battle between the two back rows. I think that um, South Africa might actually find that they miss PSBs a lot more than they think. He was ruled out of the World Cup with a blood clot, he's an incredible player. And I think that, you know, they're going to miss his speed around the park, the physicality that he brings to it. I don't think that necessarily the South African pack are as good as they've been made out to be. Certainly in the front row, you know, Oz Durant retired, came back. They don't have the strength and depth that um, they might like. And I think, you know, they're not going to be very happy when they see one of their own, Matt Stevens, Mm. on the bench for England. And I also think that, uh, OK, they're going to be very strong in the lineup. They're going to attack England there. I think that really the key will be the way that the back row of Cory, Moody, Easter, cope with the likes of Skulkberger and Juan Smith at the breakdown.
3: Eddie,
2: who's got the best back row? Uh,
3: whoever has the best front five. <laughs> right. Uh, Just explain say, that. Well, because your back row is only ever as good as the, as, the, as, the, as, the, as the forwards in front of it, as the halfbacks are. I mean, Charlie will have had a lot of abuse heaped on him. When he's had a lot of ball going backwards, and he's and he can say, well, it, you know, it's not easy playing the game when your front five is in trouble. And the same applies to to the back row. That the back row will prosper when it's going forward. And I and I suspect that South Africa will go forward from the line out, and England will go forward for the scrum. And as Clare said, what will decide it will be what happens
2: at the breakdown. So England, if they are involving a kicking game, Charlie, don't kick to touch.
0: Right. It's difficult because the, with the back three that, that South African have, if you kick the ball straight to Urbana, then he's very he's a, he's a dangerous runner and you, obviously you don't want to give him any space to run the ball back. So, yeah, there is a case for not for kicking to the touch at the same time, but <laughs> I, um, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one, really.
2: Um, Eddie, when we look at um, the the two sides and we we look at the two semi-finals particularly, the South African success seemed to be, um, certainly in their first half, where... To be honest, it looked like Argentina had most of the play and were doing most of the attacking. South Africa's success seemed to come from um, Argentinian mistakes. Will we see the same uh, outlook from South Africa and the same game plan, do you think, on Saturday night?
3: Well, it's very much the pattern of the the tri-nations that uh, caution does rule until you, you force the mistake and then you absolutely flood forward and you get the ball to Habana as quickly as possible. So they pounce on mistakes just uh, as they do across the hemisphere. Uh, even even Argentina, you know, tend to swoop when they get a sniff of a turnover, which isn't necessarily the case in the Northern Hemisphere. I, I, I suspect it's g- going to be something that is going to be addressed, but <laughs> not by England in a World Cup final. You know, caution will rule. Um, yeah, uh, there is something about South Africa. They, they started okay, but they really struggled against Tonga. They had a moment of... Pure shakiness against Fiji, you know, and these are teams that really don't have the set piece strength of England. So it's just an, just a question of replicating that that slightly mad pressure that that can that can be imposed.
4: Do you think, Eddie, though, that the reason that they struggled against those sorts of teams was that they just simply weren't used to the point of attack that uh, Tonga and Fiji were producing against them?
3: Well, I just think they look genuinely vulnerable against it. But you know, whatever happens, you know, you. You've got to have every every base covered, and it seemed to me that South Africa, for all that they pounce on loose ball, looked ill at ease when the game sort of was, was, was coming at them through a talented set of three quarters or through really dynamic runners from the back row.
5: Isn't there a good argument to say that since that England game, South Africa, have gone a little bit backwards in every game. Tonga gave them a really hard time, Fiji nearly turned them over. And let's face it, Ar- Argentina absolutely gift-wrapped them three tries, but they were better in the scrum, they were better at the breakdown. If I was South Africa, I'd, I'd find it very hard to make the case that I'd be improving towards the final. Charlie, what would what, what the players be doing this week?
0: Um, I can't imagine they'll be they'll be training too heavily. I think it's been a tough tournament for them physically, with all the teams that they've played against. I think it's just a matter of going through things finally in your head, getting making sure that um, all your plays are correct and all your lineup calls are correct. Mental rehearsal probably more than more than anything will will, will be key. Trying to keep the body as fresh as possible, so that they've got everything to give for, for the 18 minutes on on Saturday.
2: Uh, I have to ask you finally before we let you go, who do you think will win objectively? <sighs>
0: As an English country. fan, as an English person, I want to say England and, and I'm going to stick by that. I think it'll be very close. I think the way England have been playing, the way they've been able to finish games, close out games, they've been playing quite conservatively, but like I said, they've been successful with it. So I really think that they will come out with a win, but I think it'll be very close. I think it'll be only by a couple of points. Where are you going to watch it? Uh, I'm just going to be at home. Are you? Uh, yeah, I have a, I have a game uh, myself on Friday night and, and I'll be recovering on Saturday. So I'll just be at home watching it there with my wife.
2: Will all the sale players who've been um, in action, Shabal and co, will they um, will they come back straight and play for sale or will they have a, a rest?
0: I'm not entirely sure. I think that it depends on, on what Philippe wants and as to whether he wants to use them or not. I think at some point they probably will be given a rest, whether it will be straight away or whether it will be... In a couple of weeks, I'm not too sure. Luke McAllister doesn't start until November 1st, actually, so he's had some time off anyway since New Zealand are out. So I imagine he'll come straight to us and and start.
2: The the last thing I must ask you before you go, does Chabelle really drive a smart car? (laughs)
0: Yeah, he does, yeah. (laughs) He does? He does. (laughs) That's incredible. What does that look like? Uh, it looks quite funny, actually. He seems to take up the whole car. He's big, big long arms and long legs. But
3: um... <laughs> could he carry it on his back like a little.
0: <laughs> head sticking out he the sunroof. His legs coming out the bottom. He's running along with the car.
2: <laughs> it's like the Ant Hill mob, isn't it? In the wacky races and the flintstones L- Listen, thanks very much for joining us, Charlie. And I suppose we should all just wish England luck. Good luck Definitely, to yeah. you as well for the rest of the season. Thanks for Thank talking to much. us. Guardian Unlimited The Rugby World Cup Show. Sponsored by Magnus. Thanks very much to uh, Charlie Hodgson. Uh, You're listening to the uh, penultimate Guardian Rugby World Cup podcast with myself, Ian Payne. Guest today, Ian Pryor, Deputy Sports Editor of The Guardian. Claire Tolley is with us as well. She's from The Guardian Sports Desk. Eddie Butler is with us too, the Observer's rugby correspondent. And uh, we've now just been joined by the South African View, uh, a well-known voice on these regular podcasts, Andy Colquhoun, who joins us from SABC, the South African Broadcasting Corporation. What's the news then, Andy? Um, Just the one change on the bench, is it?
1: That's right. They're, they're, they're pretty settled in, or very settled. Um, so uh, Vickers Van Heerden, who's a uh, hard-working Blue Bulls lose forward, he's um leapfrogged back over Bob Skinstad, who was on the bench in the semi-final and back as a replacement lose forward. The thinking there is that uh, with the type of game that England play, uh, an attritional game uh, where you need um, work rate, uh, good tacklers, people who are going to uh, try and slow down or speed up ball depending on their defending or attacking, that he's more effective at at that than than Bob who might be looking to play a bit more expansive, a bit more of a handling game.
2: What is the feeling in South Africa and amongst the South African media as to why South Africa beat England so easily in that first meeting?
1: I think the general impression was that just it wasn't England didn't turn up that day, that the, that they were some other place and that some, some other impostors wearing white shirts had uh, stumbled onto the Parc de France, uh, onto uh, Stade de France. Jake White has been making the point though ever since uh, the, the, the match finished that the, the crucial thing was the fact that they'd, uh, they'd lost Johnny Wilkinson and Ollie Barclay in the preparations to that game. So the South Africans have been honest and very careful, I think, this week to say that this is a completely different England side, that we're back to to 50-50, and, and with Wilkinson in the, in the lineup, um, that, that is absolutely irrelevant.
2: What will be the tactics of South Africa, do you think?
1: Well, they know that England are going to come through the scrums. Um, they know that England are going to look for field position um, so they can get Johnny in range of, of penalties or, or drop goals. So they'll be, they'll be using the reverse tactics. They'll be looking to keep England out of South Africa's half, so I, I think you'll see a, a long kicking game from... From uh, Fergie Prier, from Butch James, from Percy Montgomery, to to get England pen back as as far back as possible. But I think they're expecting a tight game. They know it's going to be titanic in the scrums. Um, they know it's going to be fierce at the breakdown and I think they're, they're expecting just a tight game, and that, but if the opportunities do come that they are the side that has the players who can, who can exploit um, small openings, uh, turnovers any, any quick ball that's flying around I think you'll see them, they'll try and find, try and find their And
5: Andy, do you think they're generally worried about, about the scrum? Because we, we heard Jake White this morning talking again about Andrew Sheridan, how they don't think he's scrumming straight trying to put a, <laughs> put a little bit of pressure on the referee which is always a sign that they're worried about something I mean, it wasn't great against Argentina and um, the England are at least as good if not slightly better than Argentina in the scrum.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't, Ian, was it? Um, and they, they, they are worried. I, I mean, I spoke to CJ van der Linde just now, the, the man who I suggested to him that he's got a, you know, a, a target on his chest. He is, he is the man that all of England are looking to destroy in this game. Um, he said, as he would do, that they've, they've looked at the videos, uh, that they've made some technical mistakes, that they didn't uh, perform well in that phase against Argentina, and they've addressed those problems. I think... It is often said that you know the scrum is a great south african tradition and, and it is a great tradition of of, of of loving the scrum and loving props but to be honest over the last uh, over the last decade they haven't been a formidable scrum on, a, on an annual basis they've had good years but more often than not it's 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 not been a weakness but it's not been a, 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 a ma- method of attack for them so and it's not going to be that uh, this saturday i think they're looking just to get parity to uh, to not be too discomforted and then and then they'll play with what ball they can get from there
2: what about the lineouts as well because the, the two locks obviously and the various tall guys in the back row have been so dominant for south africa will the kicking game involve bringing touch into play if that's not today? an oxymoron.
1: I think I think they'll, they'll, not be, um, they'll not be worried about the ball being off the field, but I don't think, I mean, when they play teams like maybe Fiji or, or even New Zealand, um, they, they look forward to taking on um, New Zealand's line-out, um, uh, you know, attacking the line-out. I think England's England's tactics in the first game were, were, were pretty weird. They didn't contest. They started playing short-throw Japanese-style line-outs and just really looked as if they weren't prepared to take on South Africa in that phase. I think that that won't be the case this weekend. I'd, I would be very surprised if they used the same kind of uh, avoid the line out te- uh, techniques. Um, the box have got they've got three terrific jumpers. Uh, they've got Joanne Smith at the back, Victor Matfield in the middle, and Bakis back Boer at the front. And uh, they can get up very high. They're very secure on their own ball, and and they will be they will again be targeting England balls. But I expect England to to contest as well because uh, Darnie Craven, the great uh, godfather of South African rugby, said the way you play is you tack the other side's strength, and that is certainly South African strength. And I, I think England will probably be looking to do that. Uh,
2: the odds. These are the odds if you fancy a punt. Uh, South Africa eleven to four on, very much the favourites. England two to one. Brian Habana to score a hat trick, twenty to one. Uh, South Africa to win and England not to score any points, ten to one. Lawrence Delaglio to come on and score a try, fourteen to one. Wilkinson to beat Yanni De Beer's record of five drop goals in a match, that's a hundred to one, and England to win with the last scoring play and be a Jason Robinson try. 80 to 1.
5: Well, here's further proof that buckies don't know anything about rugby. I mean, there's, there's great value here if you care to take it on. England's a 2 to 1 outright in a World Cup final is fantastic value and I'd urge all of you who have a 20 quid going spare to lump on that. Mm-hmm. The other one, which we haven't listed here, but what I got the other night, England to win by 5 points or less, 13 to 2. That's printing money, people. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Where
2: are you from? Uh, omens for England. Before this World Cup, the last time England were beaten by South Africa and failed to score was in 1998 when they lost 18-0, the next time the teams faced each other, England won 13-7. And the last time England beat South Africa in the World Cup, The Sugar Babes were heading to the top of the charts with Hole in the Head, who are currently number one, the Sugar Babes. It's an omen! And thanks to all of you who've uh, blogged us, blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport if you want to get in touch with us. But hurry, 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 because you've only got two more chances. Today's the penultimate one, and then on Sunday morning we will be reflecting in the sunshine, hopefully, of Paris on a magnificent but scrappy England win. Sorry, Andy. No, we won't. We'll be talking about... Rugby's the winner, no matter who wins. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's Porkus from Hiroshima. Hello, Porkus. Frankly, I think the match will turn out to be a rude awakening for reality for the English. I see them not only being defeated, but once again being absolutely humiliated. I can already hear the giant sound of spanking. Where are you, Porkus? (laughs) What's the giant sound of spanking? I don't know. A huge, huge South African mitt. (laughs) Uh, England Style of Play from Burning Sprout in London said I've been giggling and squirming, he says probably being hit by a giant spank in equal measure as our dear South African friends moan and whine about their lack of a final place whilst cursing the English style of play as a former prop, he says I love the style of game they're now playing Crush, mince, pound, batter All good words. The opposition into the ground and then ask for more. Love it! It'll be a big task on Saturday, but I have the feeling that with this newfound intensity about the game, England could well turn over the box. And Wingnut from Manchester says, Bring on the rule changes as soon as possible, please. It's not just the bludgeoning style of England, South Africa, France, Argentina at this World Cup. It's the week-on-week grinding tedium. Of very large men crashing into one another until mistakes are made and tackles missed. Is that a fair assessment of the World Cup, Eddie?
3: I thought it'd been rather. I thought we were universally acclaiming it as a fantastic tournament, you know, mm. whether you watched Wales, Fiji, or watched Japan play Fiji, or.
2: But are there, aren't, aren't the winning sides a la Greece in the European Championships a few years ago? Aren't they the counter attack sides? Aren't they the sides with solid defence that perhaps. You don't expect to win in that style. France reverted to that style. South Africa seemed to pick up the pieces. England certainly do.
3: Yeah, OK. But I don't... I, you know, <laughs> you I don't have that, to agree. <laughs> uh, no, I just think that's, that's the way it is. And you've just got to... I mean, you either like it or you don't. I love it. I, I, you know, I don't like basketball. <laughs>
1: and you've, you've got to play. You've got to play with the players you've got. You can't. You, you know, everybody doesn't have, you know, a Brian Habana or a Joe Roccofoco You know, but everybody does, doesn't have a Johnny Wilkinson. So, rugby is a game for so many different types of uh, players and personalities and, and and body shapes that you you play to those strengths.
2: Yeah. And and is this, Andy? Do you think this style of rugby has proved that what the All Blacks did for the last three years, which we all watched and we all thought this is the shape of the the game to come? This is. This is the way that they are playing, this total 15-man rugby, This the style in which the All Blacks played is the way forward well it isn't anymore is
1: that what we're saying well it doesn't matter does it no it, it doesn't really matter as long as it's a world cup <laughs> it doesn't matters. matter what you do between them um i mean four years ago uh, australia and south africa both conceded 50 points to the all blacks on the eve of the world cup, and then and then you know three or four months later um, down they go i think i think the all black problem has been just just pure arrogance i, I was watching the match uh, in Cardiff, from Marseille, and I was watching on TV, and they were they were clearly ahead of France. I think it was 13-0 at one point. But I, I was even saying then that their arrogance is going to be their undoing. I didn't think it was going to happen quite so quickly, but they they didn't pay any account to the fact that they were now in a, in a tournament where emotions and 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 the dramas all change. The, the normal dynamics of rugby don't apply. The pressure comes on, and and you, I think you can even see the pressure coming on in the, the selection that they made, and that arrogance. Uh, showed through so i think you know that that it is the world cup it's a very different thing and and speaking to the south african players today you know they know that they're on the brink of history and that that winning winning today doesn't matter that they you know they lost eight in a row against the all-blacks um... uh, either side of two thousand three they're going to won the World Cup twice maybe and the All Blacks have won it once or England are going to win it twice and the, and the All Blacks have won it only once. That's, that's what counts.
2: We talk about arrogance. Is there any arrogance in, in South Africa? Because the, the feeling I get reading reports and listening to, to vox pops of fans outside is that there is, a, there is an innate belief that what happened in that first match will have a significant bearing psychologically on what happens in this match. That, that South Africans don't actually believe they, they might lose this.
1: Well, I I think that if South Africa play as well as they can do, then they will win, and it doesn't matter how well England play. I mean, that, that's maybe What, that's what makes you maybe say that's... that
2: though? Aren't England the great nullifiers and negatifiers? Well, if that's a word.
1: I, I just think that South Africa have got have got more weapons in this game. They've got they've got more speed in every jersey on the field, um, and they've and they have got they've got a pack that can can match and that can maybe come can England's Pack. Um, they've got they've got a, a lineup that works. They've got a they've got a good goal kicker. And I just think that if if they play with the clinical efficiency that they played in the first game against England, even though England will be transformed from that performance, I, I don't believe that 36-0 has any has any bearing. I think that South Africa just just have too much for England now. It's but that is again you know putting aside the fact that this is a World Cup final and that nerves and pressure and referees' calls and players' calls and decision making and slipping as Damien tried did the other night all those things come into play and that can change everything so that I think that is what the South African confidence is obviously there's a lot of wishful, wishful thinking as well going into that and and um, having seen the, you know, the recent matches between South Africa and England you would have to say that South Africa well they, they are the favourites and that's where the confidence comes from
5: Of course they're the favourites but whatever you say about telling yourself this is a whole new ball game this is a fresh start and nothing before matters the fact remains that 36 nil in the World Cup hammered twice on the last tour to South Africa in the summer you don't forget the things overnight i mean i i think no matter how often they tell it to themselves it's going to be really difficult for any any one of those south african players to believe that this is a team on a par with us this is a this this is a team that is equal to us and th- they are going to go into this game thinking that way but do you think, think that think. will help or hinder south africa that will absolutely hinder them hinder them. This, this is a very very different England. but did it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't that how
1: england thought wasn't that how england thought for four years ago i'm yeah. sure that they went into every game four years ago thinking they are the better team which they were Mm. and they I mean they 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 didn't have to fear South Africa four years ago in Perth they didn't have to fear Australia they didn't have to fear France they didn't have to uh, sit there and think this is this is an even game, and that we you know there's a there's that we should be uh, worried about about playing this team. They had they had confidence, you know, born out of their results and their form. But and who... I think South Africa are probably in a in a similar place, although you know they're they're not they're not standing on the rooftops beating their chests about it. They just Some they are. know what they've got to do. And they know where they've come from. They know what they've achieved. They know what they've failed to do. They know where they've lost badly. They know where they've gone wrong, and, and that's that's where their confidence comes from.
2: Eddie, do you do you agree with Andy that if if South Africa play to their Best England have no chance of winning.
3: Yes, yeah, but that's that's entirely logical and uh, and probably has nothing to do with how the final is going to turn out. I think it's interesting that England in two thousand and three, you know, they uh, and everybody's right. You know, they they marched on against South Africa and they marched on against Australia, but actually they had their stern warnings against Samoa and they had a stern warning against Wales in the quarter final. You know, and South Africa had their, their, their stiff stiffer wraps on the knuckles from from Tonga, from Fiji. So I, I think, you know, you you should be confident, but I think you should always, also be aware that it can all fall apart for you if you're not totally focused. I, I, I don't know. It, it is just going to be on the day who holds themselves together.
4: Mm. Andy, as well, are you sure that uh, South Africa have the players to perform when it matters under pressure in the way that England know that they do? England know that Johnny Wilkinson can drag them out of a hole. Are you sure that your players can do that?
1: Well, that's... That's what Jake White has been saying. He says that you know that about England, and he's been saying, he hasn't said we don't know that about our players. He says we're going to find out about our players on that. On but that that's angle. it, they haven't been there,
4: have they? You know, England have been there. There's a lot of players in this team that have been there four years ago. Well,
1: England are old, is what you're saying. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you could you could also say, Claire, that that England have have, have lost thirty six nil, so they they know how to lose games badly as well. I don't uh, know which you, which way you, it goes around. You've round. got him, but you it see, is. You've it touched
2: it the nerve. Oh, no, <laughs> get in there. He's been calm for three weeks, and finally, Colquhoun reacts. But England
4: have got winning momentum too, haven't they? Now they're on a roll. Uh,
1: South Africa have won eight in a row, and they've
4: they've, uh, they've, yeah. they've done only now. failed
1: to score thirty points in one of those, and they've 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 won all these games in the World Cup by what, at least 17 apart from the Tonga oh, game when they put dear. the second team out. So maybe that's not momentum. Maybe that's just good fortune. And <laughs> oh, You've stuck the stick in the ants'
2: nest.
5: Changing tack, Andy, is, is Mandela going to show up?
1: Um, we haven't. We we were checked yesterday. Was the last time, and at that it we still wasn't known. So I'm not sure. I think he's he is now in his what he's now 85. So he's going to have a frail disease. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I wonder if you will wear a South African We've got shirt. we got
1: we've got these we've got the best sub there. We've got Thabo Mbeki's coming. The oh, carrot president. Well, that'll is.
2: do. <laughs> right. I, actually, funnily enough, that was one of the questions that various bloggers were asking um, you specifically, Andy, from uh, our blogs.guardian.co.uk/sport. Nelson Mandela has been flown over as a talisman for South Africa. Who could play the same role for England? Actually, someone was asking, um, girls and boys in the studio, would you like to ask who would be the Nelson Mandela of England?
5: Let's get Maggie Thatcher in. <laughs> well, the two let's prin- get to give out the jerseys beforehand. The two, and, you know, the two princes are going. Will that make a difference? The two prin- oh they go, they go to every game, aren't no, we? Aren't well, just, just a little fans. bit sick of yeah, besides, them. Give them? they Wales? Yeah, shouldn't they be supporting Wales? And shouldn't you know, shouldn't should they be paying for the tickets? How about that?
2: Oh, the Republican stench in this studio is almost overwhelming. <laughs> um, how many languages in the national anthem you're being asked, Andy? Um, uh, three.
1: English, Afrikaans and and Sotho.
2: OK. And do all the players know all the words?
1: Yes, they do. Very good.
2: Yeah. Uh, what's the atmosphere like in Paris, says Michael? Can you feel it building? We're always asked this question in the media. What's the mood? Well, I never
5: quite understand what that means. What's a anyway... train strike in Paris today? I'd say the mood is so ugly. What's have you seen the, the movie
1: Have you seen the film 28 Days After? <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like that on the Metro this morning. You know, there, There's a couple of lines w- working and you're wandering through. None of the escalators are working. The place is deserted.
2: No, no people coughing up blood, were there? Yeah, I was <laughs> waiting for the zombies to come <laughs> out. People with red eyes going, South Africa will win! <laughs> uh, anyway, we're coming towards the end of this as we go slightly off beam, as we always do after half an hour of mayhem. I suppose I have to get predictions from all of you, really. Let's, uh, let's start with our guests. Andy? Uh, for you, a stupid question really but I'll ask it, who's going well, to win and uh, why I,
1: I, Yeah, I, I think South Africa, well I don't think they will win because I don't know, I, I, as, as Eddie says it, it can go either way yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I think they will win that's all I can say
3: Okay. Eddie Butler
2: is a Welshman, what do you think?
3: Yeah, Butch James is going to drop a goal with his left boot <laughs> Eddie, I asked him about drop goals today <laughs> he uh, said so, he'd been practising Yeah, that yeah, would I be ironic have, I, I, I don't know South Africa last will, minute
2: will it go to extra time
3: Yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ir- shootout
5: Irishman Ian Pryor. Well, I've said England are going to lose and every, every time I've been asked throughout this tournament, so I just, just slap a big old hex on them. I've said they're going to win this. Uh, ugly, brutal, oh, but wonderful game. No, and don't say England by three hex. points. I am the hex. You there you go. The last it. time I wrote
2: for your newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> God. And you wrote about Bobby Skidstead this morning, and he's out. I mean, everything you touch uh, turns to lead. Claire?
4: This is really hard. I'm English. If I uh, go against England, my family will never speak to me again.
2: Right. But... but... <laughs>
4: I think South Africa by between three and five. Just.
2: How much you got on South Africa?
4: I'm not telling you that.
2: More <laughs> than more than a, a tenner. Uh,
4: yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's been been there for a long time. So. All right.
2: Listen. This has been the penultimate one. We've had. I, I personally really, really enjoyed doing these. Thank you all of you who've uh, joined in as well. To our guests today, to uh, Ian Pryor, to Claire Tolly, to Eddie Butler, to Andy Colhoun, and to Charlie Hodgson, and to all of you who've blogged us. Do continue to do so. Blogs.guardian.co.uk/sport. Final question to everybody. Does anyone care about the third, playoff, Eddie?
1: No. Andy? Unfortunately, I can't get there because the strike isn't that effective, so no,
5: I don't. (laughs) Ian? Wouldn't cross the street to watch it. Claire? No. What is the point?
2: Anyway, thanks very much for listening. We will be back after the final is finished, so long as it doesn't go on to extra time for about 12 hours, on Sunday morning, live from Paris, in the Bowler Pub once again, just off the Champs-Elysees, Do join us whenever you can and find out, well, you'll know who's won, but at least find out what the banter is afterwards. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you on Sunday. You've been listening to the Rugby
1: World Cup Show. Sponsored by Magnus. Time to play. Go to magnuscider.com.